Welcome to Resource Sessions. I'm Gwendolyn Stirk of Stirk Family Law, and I'm honored and privileged to have with me today Dr. Caitlin Seward and another associate of her office, Monica Molesky. Welcome. How are you guys today? Very good. Thank you for having us. Yes, very good. Very excited. Well, today we're going to talk about that subject called frustration, and I think we all experience it. You know, and there is a lot of different levels of frustration and people just going through day-to-day -day life and they feel so overwhelmed. Can you give us a little guidance? First of all, what is frustration? Sure. Um, frustration is more or less experienced whenever there are situations that come up that are either internal or externally triggering. So for instance, if there was an, was an internal frustration, this might be something along the lines of goal setting that we set these goals and to try to achieve and they just didn't pan out um, or didn't come to fruition. It might be something from a performance standpoint, whether it's kids in school and sports or grades or even a job performance, not meeting that expectation per se, and then getting this internal frustration going on that often festers and that can turn into you know, more aggressive behaviors or taking it out on others or even just withdrawing completely and just being a little bit more recluse. Then we kind of shift over to the external factors where it's things that we can't necessarily control, right? Like I'm in traffic because of an accident or somebody was bullying me or they got my order wrong at McDonald's, whatever that looks like. Those are going to be the external stimuli that kind of trigger us. So really identifying for people specifically, which one is more triggering and which one are you more reactive to? And I think it's important to note that frustration is very normal. We all experience different levels of frustration throughout the day. Again, it depends on the duration and the severity where we might just have to do a little bit more exploring to see what's going on. We have to see how much it's impacting our daily life. Absolutely. And you really want to look at frustration from a standpoint of it should be temporary. If it's not, then we really got to look at what's going on or what the undertone is here, because, you know, I get to work after there was an accident and I was late, but I should be able to regroup and cope with the rest of the day. If that's not the case and it's the snowball effect, then we've really got to look at coping mechanisms overall. Sure, because I think we all have those bad days where it starts out first thing in the morning, you know, yes. you, you mm -hmm. didn't get out of the right side of the bed, for lack of a better term, and then it just seems to roll out and the whole day brings it and you never run on time. And at the end of the day, you're just done. You know, and I find that sometimes for myself, just taking a break or I'll always say to people, I'm quitting the practice of law, call me tomorrow because I need to really walk away from it. So how do you distinguish just a bad day like that? from when you're really triggered and you really see that this frustration is more common than it used to be? Uh, again, I think it goes back to that intensity and duration. The hard thing with frustration and kind of more than negative perspective, sometimes we tend to fall into, is that we start to become very mood dependent, which means like we have that viewpoint, like you just said, oh no, I woke up five minutes late. I spill my coffee. Again, the snowball happens and we believe that the whole day is going to be shot. The sad part with that is there's beautiful parts of our day that then we miss out on or we discount because we're tunneling it from this vision of being negative and frustrated. Um, so that could become a really key indicator and it could, it could lead us to be more anxious, more depressed, because it's all kind of funneling in together. Absolutely. And if we really look at some of the most common responses to um, frustration, we're going to look at 
Anger or aggression are going to be one of the top three. We look at lack of motivation, burnout, giving up, um, loss of confidence, and oftentimes um, just self-confidence and respect for ourselves. Stress, depression, alcohol or drug abuse or any addictive personalities traits, whether that's gambling, sex, food, you name it. Um, even avoidant behaviors where all of a sudden I'm not doing things or putting myself out there because like we talked about with those internal frustrations, now my expectations about myself are not being met. And now I'm just slowly going down the, down the line of self-loathing and not feeling like I'm good enough or competent enough to have success in my life. So let's say that you're, you know, maybe it's not been long-term, it's just creeping up and you're willing to acknowledge, hey, look, I've had a frustrating day and I've got to come up with some skills to not let it ruin my whole day, right? So mm-hmm. just for a person who's not necessarily at the level of being in treatment at this point in time, but just says, I have to have a different way of looking at things. Where mm-hmm. do they start and what should they be doing? I think, again, the first thing is acceptance. Just to accept, hey, you know what? It's been a really bad day right now. This day is not going how I planned or expected. Just that awareness and acceptance is a huge key first step. Then it sounds kind of cliche, but the whole taking a deep breath, taking a deep breath, being mindful, being in the present moment, taking that time and space could really help reset. I tell my patients, you could reset at any point in the day. It could be 2 p.m., go into the bathroom, take a deep breath, restart your day then. Absolutely. Reset is a huge one that I use um, personally and professionally when you get into something and it's being mindful and present in that moment to sit there and recognize what's going on. The key in that is to try to get that under control before there's a physiological response, before my heart's racing, before I'm getting a headache, before I'm breathing heavy, all of those to sit there and assess the situation, figure out whether or not you're in control of it. Mm -hmm. And then what am I going to do about it? Because we can take this road or we could take this road. You're in control of that. But to me, reset is huge. Also positive self-talk. Sometimes Mm -hmm. realistically, you just got to give yourself a pep talk and sit there and be like, like for an example, sitting in traffic or something, Kaylin, you're going to get to work. It's going to be fine. It's not worth getting all upset over Mm -hmm. and walking yourself off that ledge. Um, I also have had patients who have kind of been a little bit more aggressive and mean to themselves per se, where they're like, Mm -hmm. you know, Joe Smith, you need to get it together. Suck it up. It's going to be fine. Whatever works for you in those moments, whether it's being kind or a little bit more aggressive, it doesn't matter. As long as you're encouraging yourself to move and redirect your attention and shift out of that negativity and catastrophizing, because that's what frustration does. We get on one thing and then we just start snowballing and we catastrophize. And then by the end of the day, we're completely wiped out emotionally. So how is that going to impact your social level, your family? Um, your job, school, you name Mm -hmm. it, sports related, all that. Yeah, definitely. And another key thing too, might be along with that, with the being mindful and in the present moment is the power of distraction. Yes. Healthy distraction. We have to circle back eventually and we have to see what triggered the frustration. But in the moment, if I am sitting in traffic on the highway and I'm just too frustrated, maybe I need to turn on my favorite song and I need to scream it at the top of my lungs for a little bit just to get through that moment just to try to maintain maybe a little bit more of a neutral day for myself. Also part of the assessment of your emotions, your physiological state, you need to kind of go through a checklist almost. Mm -hmm. Did I eat today? Am Mm -hmm. I thirsty? Did I get enough exercise? Did I get enough sleep? 
are there residual things from yesterday with my spouse or my significant other or my teacher that I'm trying to process, but I'm not really giving it that amount of attention, it will subconsciously start to evolve into the rest of your day and impact your mood overall. Sure. You know, I also think we have, you know, life's not easy. We do have troubles. We have upside downs. And I notice a lot of people, for example, especially in our field, they're in court and they've had a bad day in court. Maybe the judge didn't rule in their favor or they're worried about what the outcome is going to be and they don't know what the impact is. And one of the things as a professional that I've learned to do is to tell people, you know what, we need to regroup and figure out how we're going to deal with this setback and Mm -hmm. sleep on it and come back to it another day. Because I find that if people dwell on it and we can't take a break from it too, that that festers. What skills would you give somebody about doing that, do, taking that approach? I mean, you can't leave it alone forever, right? You're going to have to deal with the topic. But sometimes I think that the subject matter is so overwhelming and so frustrating and you can't control it. What do you do? What's your tip a, for that? That's a good question. It's kind of going to go back to what we were talking about, the reset and then reevaluating the situation realistically kind of using your example, say the court didn't go out the way that you thought it would. And now we've got to regroup and come up with a different plan. In that moment, I would say more or less evaluate it and look at it from the standpoint, okay, again, which route do I want to go on? Do I want to catastrophize or do I want to problem solve? Mm-hmm. Do I want to be solution focused or do I want to be problematic focused? Because that's going to change your attitude in itself. But then I would also take it a step further and look at Okay, in today's situation, what just occurred 10 minutes ago, is there anything I would have done different, differently personally? Mm-hmm. Is there anything in that situation that I could have controlled? And if you kind of go down that checklist and you get to a point where it's no, 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 right? it's kind of out of your hands. And then we've got to look at, okay, how do we strategize moving forward? Because I'm a big advocate of still, there are some people that just need to kick and scream for five minutes and get it out of their systems to get it together and regroup and move mm-hmm. forward. And that's totally fine. Um, but how long are we kicking and screaming for and who are we impacting? And is it actually doing us more harm than good? Mm -hmm. I love what you just said there, Caitlin, with the checklist, because I tell my clients all the time, it's a learning moment, right? We it's, everything is a learning moment in life. So to know that sometimes, yes, sometimes everything is out of our control and sometimes the outcome is not good or it's not what we wanted or expected, but that's okay. We could still find acceptance again, decide what road I want to take. Do I want to reject acceptance right? And live in that suffering? Or do I want to accept it, right? And move forward towards my most meaningful life. That that could be a really hard situation at times. I also think, go ahead. I apologize. Go ahead. Oh, and I was gonna say, I also think too, in those moments, maybe, um, or if you're in court, and there's not a solution yet, right, we have to wait. I think that's something I right? because I know that happens a lot, not just in court, but in life, we're waiting for, um, to know if we have a job opportunity or acceptance from a college, whatever that might be, that I tell people to turn to either to find meaning in the moment, right? Maybe honing in on that mindfulness, just trying to live, just to try to get through this moment. Um, taking a brief vacation. Not, I mean, if you have the means to go somewhere, by all means go. But, um, you know, just kind of putting your phone away for a little bit or whatever might be distracting you and just spend some time outside, connect with your family. But we have to find things to help us get through these crisis moments just so we don't keep escalating, especially the frustration to the point then we're spiraling out of control. One of the biggest things that I'm starting to find is that um, 
you know, over the past decade with between technology and just the way we operate as a society, everything is about time and everybody wants that instant gratification. They want to know, they want to know it now. So that escalates frustration significantly. Um, but I also think realistically looking at it, kind of like Monica said, let's put the phones down for a second, or let's not research things that are not empirical research. And it's just a Google search. And now I'm getting all worked up because this is what Google told me to do. Mm -hmm. And this is what, what research is telling me, but is it really research? Let's use credible sources or let's try to find somebody who you can relate to. Maybe they've been through it before. Maybe you are speaking to a therapist, um, just trying to get some relatability and facts, not necessarily um, subjective information. Yeah, I couldn't agree more that people want that done and they want it done now and as fast as they can. And I tell people in the court system, one day in your life is a minimum of 30 days in the court system and you could show up ready to go and the court may have an ongoing hearing. You know, the other week we went, we were all ready for trial, call our first witness and the judge said, I thought I'd be done today, but I'm not. So we're going to have to kick it out and didn't get a date for months, right? And so that becomes part of the problem and that raises people's frustration. And I know that I'm always telling clients, look, time is a problem, but on the other hand, things can heal themselves. Wounds can heal themselves and trouble sometimes can work itself out while time is waiting. We all can't control that but that that time element might be there as well. And I think sometimes you're right. It's that expectation we want it done now and we don't want to change it. And I actually think time, the lack of the ability to control time is one of the major increases in frustration that I've been seeing among people. And it's kind of frightening on one level to think that you have to deal with the fact you're not in control. I mean, think of all the things we can't control, right? Right, yes. And it's hard as a therapist sometimes to, to kind of chuck it up to the idea of, I mean, we're going to talk about this 10 sessions over and over and over. Nothing's changing. You can't control the situation. Right. So either you want to make that shift cognitively and emotionally mm -hmm. and become emotionally regulated with things, or you're kind of just going to stay stuck. And then we're going to have to deal with the depression, the anger, and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. that are going to impact every area of functioning. Mm-hmm. You know, you made a good reference there to the word fester, because I think that that's like a wound, right? And it's yes. blowing up and it's infecting and it's getting worse and worse. And so one of the questions I have for you as therapists and professionals in your field is, what point does the festering reach over from using maybe your own internal skills that you've already addressed, things that you can do? You can go through that checklist. You can do a recheck in your day, but it's it's just not working. At what point in time do people have to reach out? How do they monitor that? I think that giving it some time, and if we notice that the intensity of the frustration is only increasing, if it's leading to more anxiety and depression, if being stuck in traffic is making our whole day a bad day now, then that's when maybe we have to take that, that hard step. And it is scary to come in and perhaps like, come talk to someone that you've never met before about all of these things. But to take that first step into trying to get a different perspective from someone, from a professional, from a therapist, whoever that might be. I think too, that if other people in your life start to notice a shift in you, I think that if coworkers, family members are either making comments, um, they're kind of making a little bit of, maybe coworkers are making a little joke like, oh, like, uh, oh, Joe, you're crabby again today. That then maybe that's when we need to, again, do that check and be like, oh, wait, I thought that I was keeping this internalized. Maybe I'm not. Maybe I'm actually externalizing a lot of this frustration and emotions that I've been carrying. 
Absolutely. And I definitely think um, from a clinical perspective, what we do oftentimes, if not every day, constantly Mm -hmm. is we're constantly assessing the situation. We are looking for patterns and we are looking for parallels. And when I say patterns, obviously kind of what Monica was just talking about um, every day I'm coming in and I'm, you know, jamming my, my fist on the table and getting aggressive and I'm yelling at people, but let's look at parallels. Are there parallels to my behaviors at home? You know, part of our, our company is called systemic wellness. So we look at everything systemically. So it's not just the core of an issue, but it's also kind of like an onion peeling it back to get to the core because all of those layers impact my job, my relationships, my self-worth, my self-confidence, all of that is encompassed. So you really got to look at where the that's headed and if there are parallels. And if we're starting to see that, that's only something you're going to pretty much know from therapy. So mm-hmm. if you're not at that point, pretty much you're going to know because other people are telling you, or you're just getting to a point where you're recognizing that I have no motivation to get out of bed. I don't want to do anything. I'm not finding joy in anything that I used to find joy in. What's changed? What do I need to do? Typically they'll come to therapy And then we start to give them those tools and techniques. But a big one that I use is having them go through those parallels, triggers, um, patterns, all of that on their own. And then over time, they become conditioned cognitively to where they can put those puzzle pieces together and be like, okay, I know exactly why I'm frustrated. And this was from two weeks ago. And now it's manifesting right now. And here's what I'm going to do about it. And that's such a powerful moment in therapy. What, it is. It is. It makes us so happy as therapists when we when we're a part of that, because then that goes to show that you are like Caitlin said, you are making those cognitive switches that yeah. different things are being activated and you're being more aware to your emotions and your behavior. And you have the awareness and you're making that hard choice to control and have a different experience. It's kind of like the classic quote, if you always, if you always do what you've always done, you'll always get what you've always gotten. And to me that goes hand in hand with therapy. Mm-hmm. So if you want a different outcome, you got to do something different. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that you also with unpeeling those layers, you have to look at it, that there's nothing here to be upset about. We all go through various stages in our life. There is time mm-hmm. we're more frustrated. Like you said, there's that external factor or there may be the internal factor, your family, whatever is happening you have to be able to manage it simultaneously with the rest of your life, right? Um, right. Mm-hmm. I remember when my father passed away and it brings an old story up and I have a friend and he said to me, the thing is, is that the world doesn't stop because your dad died. And you know that quote, he died 30 some years ago. It's still with me today. And the reason why it's with me is it was such an eye opener to me because I kind of, my world was stopping, right? And I wanted everybody else to stop and dwell with me. And it wasn't going to be that way. And I was young, but it was time to learn that, right? And so I think that sometimes we want to obsess about our frustration instead of learning how to pack it into a box and leave it there and be able, like you said, reset and regroup and move forward. Absolutely. Yeah. Another question I have though, is, you know, obviously we all have frustrations. We all have times in life that maybe we need to be in therapy for a period of time. And then maybe we can just go for checkups, but then there's a crossover to what I call not just therapy, but a serious mental health issue. Tell us how frustration can be a tool or an identifier or something more deeply going on. I think that sometimes frustration is almost like a warning sign. It's like a little bit of a red flag. Um, Frustration, again, it could just be like very normalized just because we spilled our coffee today. 
if it starts to happen for longer periods, if we notice we're also experiencing some depression, maybe we're having symptoms like we aren't motivated, we don't want to go to work, we don't want to get out of bed, we're having some anxiety symptoms, maybe even panic attacks. I think that it's at that point, right, when we're starting to have a more exacerbated response to things, then maybe we need to look into, is this actually a mental health crisis? Or is there something else going on here? Absolutely. I think Monica brought up a few minutes ago, time is a huge component of this. So let's sleep on it. Let's let a couple of days go by. It's kind of like throwing the rock in the water and we'll see if there's a ripple effect over the next few days, the next mm-hmm. few weeks. If there is, obviously there's something that's not resolved that you're internally and externally not being able to figure out on your own. That's a really good indicator to seek mental health treatment. Um, if you're getting to a point where it's, I mean, you're having suicidal ideation, mm-hmm. thoughts, attempts, self harming, um, homicidal ideation, things of that nature, that's when it gets a little bit more tricky. And then we really got to, you know, close that in and get someone the help that they need, which is beyond our scope at that point, it would just be an elevated level of care. Mm -hmm. So that could look like residential treatment where you're there, um, under 24 hour watch for an X amount of time. There are things called intense outpatient programs, which we're in the midst of creating on our own, um, where you meet three to four hours a day, Um, but you're still able to go to work. You're still able to go to school. Kids can do these things. Um, adults can, but it's still able for them to be on the functional side, but just need a little bit more than traditional therapy. And then you'll, you would have partial hospitalization, which would be, you go to, um, a facility for about six to eight hours a day and you do really intense work. And then you are kind of missing work in school, but you're able to still function with your family and go home at night versus the residential. So there are different levels of care that we have to kind of be in tune with and figure Mm -hmm. out, does any of our patients, do they fit these different levels and different tiers? If not, are they a good candidate for individual therapy? And if so, here's how we're going to approach this. Here's the specific treatment plan that's designed for you. And we want to know what your goals are out of getting therapy and what you want to accomplish. It's not necessarily our goals. Mm -hmm. We have our own clinical ones that we're going to work on that we don't disclose, but we want to know what everybody else's is. And a lot of time it's just coping with frustration. Mm -hmm. And it's very interesting. And, and, you know, do you think that, uh, and, and we were talking about this, I was a group of people yesterday and they were talking about the impact of COVID about just how refreshing it was to be out in a large group of friends and how for years it just didn't happen. And, you know, I think that it was interesting to hear everybody discussing their frustrations when they look back at that time, you know, how have you seen that have an impact on what you're doing? It's definitely had its impact. I know um, a few years ago during COVID, you and I did a podcast on that and just trying to keep functionality and whatnot. Um, Again, the rock in the water, the ripple effect, we're still seeing the ripple effect to this day. We're still seeing people that don't necessarily have the social skills that they should, more so with children and Mm -hmm. adolescents that went through that time. They don't have the skill sets. Um, they're struggling emotionally or just with emotion regulation, they're struggling with social skills. So we're still seeing that on a day-to-day basis. And again, it's not just with children, it's with all populations, um, but helping them navigate that and, and using a little bit of exposure therapy would, if you will. So for instance, okay, if I'm afraid of going into crowds, maybe I can start with going into a low traffic grocery store or something of that nature and getting them to kind of build upon that. But that was a huge struggle that we're still seeing the effects of today. Right. 
I agree. And I think with COVID, the big thing that people started, an emotion people started to identify with that maybe because the world was so busy, we were too distracted from was loneliness. A lot of people until COVID happened and we shut down, they didn't really realize what it was to be lonely. And I think that again, that in and of itself causes a lot of frustration. So I agree with Caitlin, like we still have um, adults, children, adolescents who still struggle with that, who are still trying to find ways to connect. And then and then that brings up a lot of internal frustration with them, a lot of the negative self-talk. Why can't I just go to that grocery store? Why can't I go with my friends to this concert? So mm-hmm. we deal with that. And how could we, again, through the exposure therapy, through learning different skills, how can we build up this confidence and competence within them to have to be brave enough to go and do sure. the things that they want to do? And believe it or not, we've actually, and I don't know how often you see this, I still see it a lot where people are still dwelling on the, I didn't get to. Yes. I didn't get to go to have a normal college experience. Mm -hmm. I didn't get to have the wedding that I wanted to have. I didn't get to have a normal childbirth. All of Mm -hmm. these things that people are still stuck on that they've not, almost like they've been robbed of that, if you will. Mm -hmm. That's very interesting. Now, you know, you're hearing the frustration, you're listening, and you give some positive feedback about saying, look, you got to reset your day. Other things that you can do, you've, you you got a listener out there and they're saying, you know, I'm really considering counseling. I'm not sure I'm there yet. I get the idea of resetting. I get the idea of maybe taking a break, getting a wa- away for a while. Are there other things that you would recommend that somebody try to do to regroup or to get a new mindset? Yes, definitely. Uh, never underestimate the power of journaling or even just writing something down on a sticky note. I call it brain dumping. There's something to just like getting it out of your head. Sometimes that's very powerful. Then I tell people, get it out on that piece of paper and then rip it up, throw it away, right? Because then it exited your head. I think that that could be very powerful. Going and speaking to people in your support system, Mm -hmm. your family, your friends, maybe it's a coworker. Some just externalizing that frustration. And some of that with talking to a, a support system or a family could literally even just be, listen, I've had a really, really bad day and I'm not intentionally trying to take this out on you. It may come off that way. So I'm just going to kind of keep to myself instead of changing the dynamic in the home or mm-hmm. making people walk on eggshells um, and kind of like what Monica was saying in terms of journaling, people often will talk into their phones instead of Mm -hmm. doing the classic writing. There's something to be said about having a tangible piece of paper and a pen and getting Mm -hmm. your thoughts together. If you're not on that page and you don't think that would work for you, that's totally fine. It's a good thing that oftentimes we're in the car by ourselves and we can scream and cry Mm -hmm. and we can talk like we're talking to that person that upset us or just talk to God or talk to themselves, whatever they want to do and just release it. Because if you're not releasing that frustration, it will manifest. It's kind of like taking the beach ball and putting it under the water, right? The more, more you build it up, the more pressure, and then the more explosive it becomes. So the Mm -hmm. idea is to get it before that pressure builds up so that we can achieve appropriate emotion regulation. Mm -hmm. I thought it was interesting that you talked about just going out touring or just going in nature. I think sometimes a walk just, uh, you know, one of my stress relief is to go to the lake and mm-hmm. go to one of the lake access points and to see the water. I have no clue what it is, ladies, but I can just, <laughs> I don't know what effect it has, but when that just tiny wave and the water is moving slightly, that for me is the relief. And I think everybody has to identify what is a break that they come from and how can they do it. 
I completely agree. And another skill that I just thought about with you saying about being at the lake is that if we could know, it's difficult for some people, but if we're able to really use our imagination and use imagery, because sometimes we are right stuck on that highway and we just can't yeah. get to the lake right, right now. What would lake. it be like safely to close my eyes and just picture like I'm sitting in the sand, I could feel the breeze mm -hmm. and really working on, of course, when we are not frustrated, we have to be at a more neutral baseline but to work on that imagery. So if we ever are in that moment where we notice that our frustration is reaching unmanageable levels, we can take that deep breath, close our eyes and be at the lake. Yeah, the other I option, it. let's yeah. take that a, a little bit of a step further mm -hmm. is trying to create a safe environment. Mm -hmm. That's realistic, you know, whether that's a place in your house or in your office or wherever that could be. It could be at the at the park down the road. It doesn't have to be anywhere that is, you know, traveling, mm -hmm. but more or less a place where you're able to collect your thoughts, you feel comfortable, safe, um, secure in that moment mm -hmm. and utilize that as a place to decompress and really try to figure out, do I want to go down this route, this route, mm -hmm. um, and utilize some of those techniques. If you don't necessarily have a, a safe space, that's where Monica's analogy, I think comes into place also. It's kind of makes me think of like happy Gilmore when it's right. like, what are your happy <laughs> yes, Exactly, That's what it is. <laughs> exactly. But using that guided imagery, mm -hmm. obviously that's going to reduce symptomology. It's going mm -hmm. to, um, de-escalate the nervous system and it's going to control, allow you to control your emotions a little bit better, which internally are going to allow you to um, then have more of a clear thought process and cognitive response to things. Mm -hmm. And more control, yes. and more control over Correct. which road you're going to take. Yes. Well, and then the last question I have is the reverse family members. So you come in, you know that your spouse or one of your family members has had a really lousy day and they're going to get to the bottom of it. You've heard that line. They got something they want to talk about and they're going to talk it to death for lack of a better word, right? How do you as the other family member say, this isn't the time we need to regroup and kind of shift the tone, right? When somebody's in that frustration mode, that's not the time to get to the bottom of the issue in a family setting. So what advice do you give to somebody that's the other family member that maybe isn't the one frustrated at the moment, albeit they've been frustrated too, but you need to kind of stop that conversation and have it at a later point. Can you give us some tips? Sure. Um, one of the things that I try to teach individuals, regardless of what the age is, and this is a key component to relationships, is the difference between venting and problem solving. So if someone's kind of coming in hot like that, they're looking to vent before they problem solve. They want you to know how they feel. They're gonna tell you whether you like it or not. Um, so to kind of determine, are they looking to vent? Because the only thing, and this is the key to life, I swear, <laughs> is that if, if somebody put, presents themselves that way, all they're looking is for validation. So that could be anything that is affirmative. So anything that's a, a head nod, yes, I agree with you, that would frustrate me too. Oh, I can't believe that. Anything that's validating them. If they start getting into, well, I don't really know how to handle that or what would you do? Mm -hmm. Now we're going into that problem solving mode, okay. but you've got to be very delicate with this because we call it softening in the clinical field. So somebody comes in really aggressive that way. And then you sit there and you're like, okay, I understand where you're coming from. Listen, I hear you so on and so forth. You validate them a little bit and just say, 
this is a really, really good conversation to have. I, I'm not in the mental capacity right now, but I want to make sure that I'm giving it the attention that it's due. Can we reconvene, can reconvene this in about 30 minutes or tomorrow morning, or let's eat dinner first, let's decompress, let's eat dinner. And then let's readdress this because now we're redirecting everything and we're regrouping. We have the opportunity to reset. Um, granted, I don't expect everyone to be trained therapists in this, but it's kind of some of the backdoor techniques that we use regularly. with Yes, I agree. That whole, it reminds me of boundaries, Mm -hmm. right? Um, that open communication. And again, these are all things that we should be practicing before we get to that level of frustration and validating for that other family member, the one who really wants to get to the bottom of knowing what's going on, Mm -hmm. that that whole concept of time comes back in. It's going to be very uncomfortable for that person to sit with that. But knowing that right now, the other person is not in the right space to give that to them. And that's okay. We have to circle back though, eventually and have a conversation about it, but it might not be right at this exact moment. Again, maybe just to ease my own anxiety or my own feelings, whatever's coming up, because I want to be there for the other person, help the person fix the problem, whatever it might be, that it's going to be uncomfortable. But I think that boundaries and good communication are essential in that. Like Caitlin said, hey, let's eat dinner first. Then I promise after dinner, we're going to circle back and we're going to talk about it. The difficult part with this is when you kind of get into kids Mm -hmm. because they don't necessarily, depending on the age and um, intellectual ability and cognitive ability, they're not going to necessarily be able to sit there and say, well, why don't you want to know about my day? Or what do you mean I can't come to you, mom or dad? Mm -hmm. That's where it gets a little bit tricky. So that's where you kind of redirect them or you make them a promise. Like we are going to talk about this or um, just set aside time with them, which is what I actually encourage a lot of family members to do is to spend a little bit of time with their kids, even if it's 10 minutes a day, just to give them that open space and that safe place to talk about some of the stuff so that it's not building up again, we're battling time, right? Mm-hmm. Most families these days are, have a dual income and in working parents, or they're being cared for by grandparents and outside sources. So we really, really got to look at um, our time management and what our kids are really saying to us and what they need from us as well. Mm-hmm. Right. All really good points. You know, I think that the lessons here are so good from softening to regrouping and giving yourself that opportunity. So if you're listening today, we want to reach out and say, you know, there's nothing to be embarrassed about. We all go through it. I think that's the other thing is that this is a great equalizer frustration because we all suffer from it, but there's different times we have to get different help to allow us to cope with it. So we really appreciate everything that you did. So if somebody's listening today and they say, hey, I really want to talk to somebody, I think going to a place where I can really communicate with somebody who's neutral and isn't going to have a background or a prejudice to one side or the other on a position, how can they reach out to you ladies to make an appointment and start their new process? Sure. So our company name is Systemic Wellness. We are located out of New Lenox, um, off of Laraway between Schoolhouse and Cedar Road. Um, we have people that come in from all different towns. It doesn't have to be just from New Lenox or the surrounding towns. It could be a little bit further beyond that. Um, we do take your classic insurances, whether it's Blue Cross Blue Shield, Aetna, Cigna, United Healthcare. Um, we are in the, like I said, we're in the midst of working with the insurance companies to start that IOP program. Um, my personal email here is my first initial C, my last name, S U E R T H, at systemic well, S Y S T E M I C W E L L. 
um, systemicwell.com. Yeah, <laughs> I had to think about it for a second. And then we're kind of keeping that with everyone. So if you go to our website, systemicwell.com, you'll see our bios and basically every clinician, it's their first initial and their last name. So then Monica, I'll let you. Yep. So mine would be M. Molesky, M-O-L-E-S-K-Y at systemicwell.com. Well, it's very good. It's good to talk to you ladies. I know that there's a lot of opportunities. You know, there's a lot of times when we have to remove the stigma. There is no stigma to this. We are all in this equal and different times in life. We need to get help and to move forward in that way. And this gives everybody and all the listeners an opportunity to do that. So whether or not you're able at this point to manage it on your own, or you need to talk to somebody, or maybe you're seeing that it's more chronic, you know, these ladies can also help you get through and navigate through those mental health concerns. So we really appreciate the time today. It's such a hot topic item. I think I've heard the words, I'm frustrated more in 2023 than I have before. So I just wanted to tell you how much I really appreciate your time today. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. To learn more or to connect with Stirk Family Law Group or Gwendolyn J. Stirk, call 815-600-8950 or visit stirkfamilylaw.com. The information in this podcast is not legal advice and should not be construed as such. It is for informational and educational purposes only.